I'll just ask you, first of all, um, can you just quickly introduce yourself um, and also introduce your agency? And um, can you talk about the services, the content marketing services or the digital marketing services that um, you are helping your clients these days? Okay, yeah, so hi, I'm, I'm David Finch. Um, I run an agency called Purple Frog. We're based in, uh, in Oxfordshire in England. Um, we, we are, we're primarily a strategic thinking agency who, and we exist to help our clients understand how they can get people to buy from them so they don't have to sell quite so hard to, 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 to their clients or their prospects. And we use a lot of content um, having understood exactly where the client, where, where the client's position is. And one of the things we talk to clients about very, very strongly is about what makes them remarkable. So it's not about being different in the essence of um, a unique selling point or anything like that. It's about actually where do they add real value, either through their product or their service to the people they're trying to sell to. And then a lot of the content we help them create is about how they how they express that remarkability, that differentiation, in a way which resonates to the problems that the audience that they're trying to sell to understand. Awesome. Wow. So um, you essentially you are helping your clients to attract customer to them um, and get customer to say, hey, I need your service um, without selling them uh, and without pushing that um, out through content marketing um, and through strategic content marketing, right? Yeah, and the content obviously is, very, is, is there's multiple types of content, so lots of it's written. But equally, it's about how do we engage people using video? How do we engage people using podcasts? How do we engage people using uh, webinars and, and so forth? So it's actually about taking the user journey and creating content that fits the user journey specifically rather than general content. So another way of describing it is, is a, lot of, a lot of people want to, and, and bear in mind that in the world, there's only X amount of thought leaders. And everybody talks about, let's write content to become a thought leader. Well, you can't be a thought leader if there's already thought leaders in your, in your, in your arena. Um, and equally, you're just pushing out the same stuff that everybody else is pushing out. But what you can do is be what we call an applied thought leader. So it's taking that same principle of thinking about the, the people that you most want to sell to, the most people you most want to engage with or work with or will find the best value from your product. And taking things which are ideas and, and solutions and framing the content in the language of the person that you're trying to help so that they can see that maybe, so if you're a consultancy firm and you're trying to sell consultancy services, just use this as an example, you frame the, the theory or the method, methodology that you've got and you, you put that in the language of the person who, who you're trying to actually engage with. In a, in a way which makes them go, ah, light bulb moment. I can see how that would help me as opposed to it's just general theory, which is what most people push, push out is just general. And people like to requote other people without actually applying it, ap applying why it's really relevant to the people that they want to help. Hmm, wow. All right, cool. Um, thanks for sharing that, David. Um, how do you help your clients to identify that kind of content um, or topics 
that that specific group of customer that kind of customer want to read want to hear want to watch want to to learn about okay so again if you if you think about so right with the beginning i mentioned it we think really strategically about about mm -hmm. things so if you if you under if you un, under if you uncover in your mind what your ideal customer profile looks like so people will talk about a persona or or, or whatever but actually if you get if you really as a business start to think well and, and, and a lot of people go down the route that big b2c brands do so if you're doing b2c the way you would do content is typically um a little bit more mass market and you try you try actually get you, you try to get your followers to create the content so you don't have to bother so that's a that's a good way as a, as a big b2c brand to do it you create a community where other people where other people contribute if you're if you're a smaller player or you're typically a b2b business then what what you want to be able to do is they say if if in an ideal world i would uh, i we as a brand so our remarkability the add the added value we create is best for this type of profile of 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 client this type of profile of customer this because this is the specific problems we solve so once you've defined that being able to take generalist content or generalist ideas it's much easier to frame it into the world of that person because you can research that person you can start thinking like that person thinks or that group of people think so you know a lot of businesses talk um taught the same language so they may have two specialities and we'll, we'll pick extremes the two specialities may be um solicitors on one hand professional services and pharmaceuticals on another the people in the pharmaceutical industry you might be able to solve the problem the same problem for them um but actually the language they use the way they perceive what your solution is mm -hmm. is completely different so so it's actually how do you frame that so, so by creating this ideal client, this thought process throughout the, and this isn't just about marketing content either. This is about, so content strategy is about the whole, um, I hate the word pipeline, but we'll use it. But it's, 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 when you, it's when you're reaching out to people who are strangers, when you've engaged somebody in a, somebody started engaging you in a conversation and then somebody else then has to pick that up so in a bigger business so marketing may start that conversation and sales have to finish it but the content and the structure of the content and the flow of the story needs to be the same mm. so so again if you don't build a proper content strategy which creates a, a story which the brand can deliver on or the business can deliver on in reality then all your effort in marketing has gone out the window anyway because if you sell them a dream and you deliver a nightmare they're not going to they're not going to stay as a customer or client very very long so 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 it's about actually building content which works through the whole pipeline and out the other side so the content also is relevant quite often to the client experience so what happens when i've when i've bought from you when i've engaged your service or i've bought your product what happens to me next i'm as in, I'm, I'm actually more important to you now than I was before on all the effort you tried to convert me. And that's why we use this terminology. If you, if you, if you create content and you create a user journey which helps people buy from you so you don't have to sell, your mental approach as a business changes to be something which continues that thought process, 
through the whole process, even when they become, because you're still trying to help those people through advice, product, support, whatever it is that you're that you're particularly selling. Mm, I see. So, so your process is, um, let's just say, if this if this is to apply for B two B, then you would help your clients to identify the 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 kind of customer they want to attract. Um, and then also creating um, different types of content that suit different phases in that user journey um, so that if marketing, um, if all the marketing effort attracts in the right kind of, um, attracting the, that kind of user or customer, uh, potential customer, then they would have the same message um, if later it passed on the sale teams um, or the customer service teams. Um, did that? Yeah. So, 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 so it's not it's not a cutty cut. It's not a cookie cutter approach where mm-hmm. they get a pre written thing. Mm-hmm. What there is is a, a, a what there is is a is a. So again, a lot of what a lot of what agencies do is they write content. So it's not criticism of agencies; it's the way it's always been. But they write content for clients who are disengaged with the content. Because the clients regard the content as a way to attract people to, they, they think it's about lead generation. And don't worry, Mr. Agency, once we've, once we've, uh, once you've got us a lead, we'll handle it. But they haven't actually engaged with the content. So actually, they, they don't understand why that person's fully reached out to them all the time. So it's about doing it through the whole pipeline. So it's about engaging the whole team so that when somebody comes in, they know the basis of the story. We're not asking them to send out a pre-written email or anything like that. It's just that, because they need to personalize it, but it's about them understanding the reasons why people are coming to. So this content was generated for this. So if we see that they've come into your website mm-hmm. and we can show that they, and your team can see through the CRM that they've um, watched this video, read this piece of content, then you know why on what your next purpose, what, when you pick the phone up, you, you, you've now got a better understanding. And as a team, doesn't matter who picks that phone up, you're all going to actually approach the, the, the thing in the same way. Awesome. Wow. Thanks for, for sharing that, um, David. And, and um, in, in this approach of, um, like, in this approach, do you also, like, uh, you also have like different type of content for different phases um, in that user journey. Like, how do you? What kind of content um, that you use to attract them in to really bring them in, and what kind of content that um, also helps to essentially get them to take action? For example, um, let me fill out this um, inquiry form or um, things like that. Right. So, can you share a little bit on that? Like. Um, what kind of content works for each of those um, phases? Okay, so I mean, it does vary, and and even two even two businesses in the same sector mm. selling to similar audiences actually have better, maybe more effective. Mm-hmm. Some will be more effective using written material mm. because the people they're trying to reach out to typically have time to read and are people who'd like to read. So, yep, so there's, but there's other people who are time poor, who like to listen. So, so what we would typically do is 
maybe start off trialing some, you know, because again, it's a hypothesis to start with. You might think this is your ideal customer, unless you've already got a, a brilliant um, set of data. So you know exactly what people are doing. Right. Is that, it's then about saying, well, if we publish a piece of content, is it, is it, and it's written, if the content is not being engaged with, so we're getting people clicking. So we've done, you know, it's promoted, people are clicking it, it's put in the right place but nobody's actually really engaging with it. It's not being, um, and so a, a classic example is people gating content. Mm-hmm. Well, one interesting way of, 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 of testing whether something's good or of interest to people is, and if you think about this logically, right. if, if, you, if you find a, a reasonable size article on, on the web, you can bookmark the website. Or you could easily download a PDF of that, mm-hmm. which enables you to put it in your, on your iPhone or your Samsung phone in your books and whatever, and you can read it when it suits you. Mm-hmm. So, so if if you see that the number of downloads is, you know, you just let people download it. Would you like a printed book? Would you like a version in your iBook in your iBooks? Click here and it downloads it for them. Then you start to see that that content's really useful. Mm-hmm. But equally, if you put out something which is somebody talking it, so like you were doing with me, and and a lot of the time it would be uh, podcasts. Mm-hmm. So it's about, so think about this remarkability piece and how you've done something which is relevant to um, people who really value the service or product that you're doing. If you're actually interviewing them on a podcast and people love listening to podcasts, lots of people do, do you know, when, I, when I used to walk to the station, <laughs> but go to the station and people people are walking up the road with, with the earphones in, they're listening to music or podcasts, they're listening to them on the train, I used to as well. And, and the thing is that they're using that to learn and what they like is to be able to understand that it's somebody else's experience that they're benefiting from, that, oh, this person, you know, it's a bit like a review, isn't it? This person benefited, so therefore I can understand the value this company's bringing because it's put it's framed by somebody that is a peer of mine if that makes sense or somebody does something similar to me so so i, th- I think it's very difficult to you can't pigeonhole the type of mm-hmm. uh, content and, and equally there's places where we would we would suggest a brand creates a community so rather than rather than so and that community can, community can be on a uh, on an existing platform like Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever, or they can start thinking about how do they build their own. An advantage of community and the way that you then create content in a community is that quite often the content comes from the people who are in the community because they've got problems and questions and they share them amongst each other. So, so, so it's then not just about then leaving the community to solve their own problems. It's about being bright enough to think right there's definitely a thread going on here about this particular problem and then bringing one of your knowledge-based pieces into the conversation to be able to share with them but you're solving that problem or helping them understand an issue rather than it being spy from us and your community doesn't have to be people who so lots of brands do communities of people who are obviously users of their product after the event but why wouldn't you let people in who aren't a good, a good, a good company for for for, for that in in the agency world. Fun enough is a company called HubSpot. They they run the community side of it brilliantly. Awesome! Thanks for your insights, um, David. And and um, 
for example, if a client have um, approached you and they want to work with you, what is the very first thing you do um, with the clients um, to really um, make sure that that's like, to make sure that you, you can bring the most value, you can bring the most value to clients. Um, okay, can so- you walk me through that process? Yeah, so we have a, we have a, um, we run, so all clients sign up to a series of three workshops mm. where there's a new client. And so there's a, the, the three initial workshops. One's about bringing as many stakeholders as we can get together wow. and talking about their remarkability. So as, obviously we have a series of questions which we, we, we put and we get them to work in a proper workshop. So it's, mm-hmm. it's we break them out into groups. Um, so and it's not just about getting the idea of the directors or the marketing team, but it's also the sales team. If it's a, if it's an, uh, uh, a business that manufactures stuff, let's get some other people who do the manufacturing in and let's get them on, let's get them around a table or on a Zoom call um, and let's get them working to answer the questions because a lot of the time the value that a business is giving to its, its consumers comes from the... It, most of the time, it doesn't come from the physical product or, or, or the action of doing something. It's actually the way you go about doing it. That's what makes you remarkable. And those are the people who are doing and, and delivering that on that remarkability. So we do a workshop a, a, a around that, which enables us then to understand better the, the, the way all their messaging should be, mm-hmm. should be, should be being pushed out there. Um, we do one around specific personas. When I said we've worked with the... The, the 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 ideal client and we also do one around numbers um yeah. and the numbers one is about saying well if you if you if you if and we just do some simple thing here if you if you want to double the size of your business over the next five years whatever size your business is today the question we we have to delve down into isn't that you need to grow 10 percent or 20 percent or 30 percent a year that's an easy cop out what we need to actually work out is how many of your ideal customers or how much product have you physically got to ship so how many orders do you need to be able to get in so how much of the pipeline does that require you to create and you'll be amazed at how many people when we've done this process sit there open mouth and go the audience isn't big but there's not enough people out there for us to reach to grow that big is there no that because or actually we can't we haven't got the capacity to do that because people, so to them getting people to understand it, that mm-hmm. the, the goal is to win and convert a hundred new clients if you're a firm of, of solicitor, solicitors or accountants, or it's actually I need to ship out um, 20,000 blinds if you're a blind manufacturer over that period in order to get to the, the goal, because I'm, I'm only actually shipping out 5,000 now, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's getting people a clarity on numbers because then actually, once you've got the clarity of numbers, it's much easier to think, right, if I, if, if I, that, that helps them understand who their ideal person to buy is. Too many businesses have spent a lot of money just trying to create leads and then don't do anything with them. So you can actually, if you do this properly, you can end up spending less money and be more successful. But don't tell the advertising industry that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it works. Um, it works for uh, some industry, right? And it it some other industry, it it will have different 
um, implications, if you will. And that's actually, I have um, one, two next questions for you on that. Like in this approach, um, does it only work for B2B uh, or it will work for both B2C and B2B um, from the experience? Yeah, so, so, this, so we are more B2B than B2C mm -hmm. or B2B to C. So to where it's, it, is, it is very powerful in B2B, it's also incredibly powerful thinking if you then apply this to B to B to C. So, so those manufacturers or those service providers who provide a service to another business, that has to engage with the consumer. So just think of a, um, I don't know, you know, people use distribution channels or retail channels or whatever. Mm -hmm. the, the, what they're doing is, is in a lot of instances, what those guys are doing is, is, is selling to what they, they call their customer the shop or the distribution outlet or, or whatever. Whereas actually that in reality, that's the correct terminology, but in reality, that isn't their customer. Cause if the, if your competitors are also distributing through them mm. and they're doing better content, they're reaching out to the consumer better. So their brand stands out better in front of the consumer because, because your, your, so your story is wrong, then your stuff's just going to sit on their shelves. Hmm. so so it's so so it's content that you as a brand as a b2b brand need to put in front of the consumer to create a pull effect it's also the content you use to engage with the staff and the teams within your distribution network so that so that what they do is can state they got they've got a an ability to tap into your resource more effectively than they can into their competitors because then they will be able to solve the problem of their clients much easier because they've got access to, to you, know, you imagine in a, in a, in a, in a I don't know, in a trade environment where you're going into, I don't know, Wix or B&Q or wherever it is, the customers coming in, have got lots of questions. So the brand's got to have given you access to, which is content. So, so content marketing and content creation is about, and that's why I said it's about the whole journey. If you're pure B2C, um, I'd say that's more about that. Typically, it's more about understanding how you build a community of followers and advocates. So the content is different in that what it's trying to do is get other people to engage to, to promote you out. So influencers and things like that. But that's less relevant in a B2B market. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thanks for clarifying that, David. Uh, I have one last question for you on this series, on this interview, and then we would love to invite you back um, to be one of our speakers in the upcoming summits because um, there, there are more that you can share with the audience um, in, in a 45-minute section. Um, so um, actually, I would looking for um, your advice. Um, what would be the best practice um, for, for, let's say, startups, um, brands that are new, um, they, they have just like launched their, their brand and their initiative. Um, how should they approach content marketing in order to really um, stand out and reach out to the right kind of customers and be remarkable? <laughs> um, gosh, that's a good one. So, so the, the, so the interesting thing with startups, I mean, so if they're a tech startup, we'll just use a tech, I'll do it for another one in a second, mm -hmm. but tech yeah, startups, right. in their head, in, in tech, they will, they, they tend to oversell 
the features and benefits of what they've got because they're excited. They're techies. They've built something brilliant. They've, they've put features in that nobody ever wants to buy because that's what they do. If they're a good, clever techie startup, so sorry, any techies who are listening to this that has gone the wrong way, but if you're a good, clever, you would build a, what they call a minimum viable product. And you would put out something which is very, very, very quick, bit dirty, doesn't necessarily do the, the, the everything it says it's going to do on the tin, but you get to, you get to test it. And, and I would say with, with startups in particular, I mean, this should apply to all, all businesses, but startups in particular, it's about making your content and story and think of it as a minimum viable product. So what is the most important things that, so less is more. So what have I got? What have I got to communicate in order to get somebody to start having a conversation with me, or with the, with the brand, rather than what what than I am going to verbally abuse your eyes, ears, and whatever by giving you all this information you don't want? Because yeah. that's what most people do wrong. They they and 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 and, I, and and a lot of VCs and angel investors when when you when people go and raise money the the. They, they get fundamentally fooled by the people who are giving them the money. The investors themselves kickstart the brand in the wrong way. They, they say, well, how are you going to market it? They say, well, here's a million, whatever the matter of the figure is, here's a million pound. We expect 500,000 pound of that to go on marketing, for argument's sake. So then they go and advertise on the London Tube or something. They waste money. And what they should be doing is thinking, what would I do to start a conversation Again, with the people that will ideally benefit from the solution that I've provided, and then if you're a small startup in a in a in a service business, it, it, the principle is still the same. It's about how do I create a conversation, because most businesses start by knowing and selling and talking to their family, friends, and and connections. That's how they get going. Yeah, um, and one of the disadvantages of that is it gets you to a point where you become blocked because, and these people have what in the trade are known as happy is, they will never tell you the truth. So, so one of the things we do is, so if we, if we do, we do work with startups, if uh, we, we, we have a run a series of questions where we go out to the potential audience. And one of the big questions we ask is, give me a reason why you wouldn't buy. So you might think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but tell us why you wouldn't buy. Give us three top reasons why you wouldn't buy this product. Mm. So, so what you're looking at is, un, is understanding the barriers to success. Mm -hmm. And when you understand the barriers to success, you can then start framing your content to overcome those barriers because you, yeah? Or sometimes put your hand up and go, we haven't solved, we haven't got, we're not solving a problem. We're not going to get anywhere with this product or this service or this startup. But it's the barriers to success is the is the key figure, quite often. And there's, awesome. Yeah, there's other there's other questions we would we we would go around, but that's that's the key. So it's a, it's about thinking minimum viable product, and then about thinking, tell tell don't tell people why they should buy it, overcome their fears of buying it. Hmm. That's so awesome. Wow, it's really helpful. Thanks so much, Davis, for um, sharing your insights and, and also uh, the bad practices and your advice. Um, I really enjoyed uh, having you today and thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I've enjoyed it as well.